VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The volume. It's the three and out podcast presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions. America's number one sports book. Very easy to use. Safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? Beautiful Monday morning. Time to dial in. Springtime is here. lot going on. Combine week. Russell Wilson stories were not pretty. Daniel Snyder getting his hands dirty. Getting weird. Of course it is. It's Daniel Snyder. Here's the plan. We got a podcast today. We will have another big podcast come Tuesday as well as the mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. Very, very easy to do. And we will have a golf podcast Wednesday. Go low. And then we'll have another podcast at the end of the week. So we'll keep the content flowing. But if you want to get in that mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. We'll have a lot of mailbag questions come Tuesday. That is the game plan. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. The content's also up on the Volumes YouTube page. A lot going on. I mean, we got the combine. We got free agency. So these next couple weeks, a lot of moving parts. A lot of things going on. Very, very excited. Uh, This is one of my favorite times of the year. This is, it was always a fun time in the scouting world. Uh, The combine, free agency, and then the draft right around the corner. So I'm excited. I'm ready to roll. Let's buckle up and head toward the draft, baby. Path to the draft. And it starts this week at the combine. Let's roll. But first, can I tell you about my friends at Game Time? If you have a smartphone, I do right here. The smartphone, Apple, no big deal. Go to the App Store. Download the Game Time app. It's the fastest growing ticket app in America. In a couple days, I think on Tuesday, I'm going to the Dodger Spring Training game. And I did that because of my friends at Game Time. And I used the promo code John, that's my name, J-O-H-N, and I got $20 off. So you want to go to a game? You want to go to a concert, you want to go to a comedy show, you want to take your friends, you want to take your wife, you want to take your girlfriend, you want to take your brother, whoever. Use my promo code John, use the Game Time app, download it now, sign up, promo code John, $20 off. If you're going to attend an event, you got to support the show, you got to support the the Game Time fastest growing ticket app in America. They crush it. They have a ton of options. Use the promo code John, J-O-H-N, do it right now. I don't even need to thank you. Just go have a good time and uh, enjoy yourself because springtime is almost here. Okay, football, football, and more football. Let's dive into the NFL Combine. Last year, remember, it felt like it was going to be the last year in Indianapolis. Uh, I've been in the Combine several times in my life. It's a fantastic place to have the Combine. Anyone listening to this in, in different industries that have been there for conventions, it is set up perfectly, even in the winter, because you never really have to go outside unless you're going to the bars at night, and then you kind of do. But in terms of the combine, everything you need, 
is all enclosed, connected through hotels into the convention center. It's fantastic. And last year, the Indianapolis held it for a couple more years. I still think it's inevitably going to end up in Los Angeles. But for the foreseeable future, the next couple of years, it's going to be an Indy. And a growing controversy right now with the Combine is it has started a couple of years ago with Sean McVay. And in fairness, the Rams didn't have any picks. And he's like, me and my coaches are not coming to the Combine. And Mike Silver, a couple of days ago, who has a podcast on this network, Open Mike, tweeted out that a lot of people followed them. The Jets, the Packers, the 49ers are not sending coaches to the Combine. And I think someone in the league, starting with the owners and the commissioner and the league office, needs to get a hold of this. Because one of the reasons the NFL has lapped these other sports, basketball, baseball, uh, is because of television. They are the number one television show in America. And the reason coaches in college and in pro football coaches make so much money is because of television and television revenue. And ultimately what this combine is, and for a long period of time, at least my entire life as a kid, and then once I started working in the league and going to it, the workouts were in the morning. Well, now they flipped it to the workouts being at night. Why? TV. They want to have good television ratings. This is all about TV. And the football coaches, especially the head coaches and the coordinators, are a big you know, they are major television characters in this whole thing called the NFL. The quarterbacks, the star linemen, the head coaches, the coordinators, they all play a role in the revenue generation that comes from CBS, NBC, ABC. Now, this is on NFL Network, but if I'm the league, I need to kind of nip this in the bud and I need to do it quick. Head coaches and coordinators, and I get, listen, a lot of coaches, you know, view, look down upon the scouting community and view some of the stuff that that happens there is overrated, especially this combine. And listen, we can argue that all day long, and I'd even be in agreement in some of their arguments. But when it comes to your presence, there's a reason when we turn on the TV, and there's Belichick, and there's Pete Carroll, and there's Andy Reid, these guys get interviewed and go into the booth with Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah, and they did for years when Mayock was doing it. It's important, because this football, there's no games happening for a long, long period of time. So your most important events to keep this league rolling are the combine, free agency, and then the draft. And this is one that's literally televised with the coaches and the general managers in attendance. So when I get Kyle Shanahan, LaFleur, and Salah, and all their coaches not attending, like, I got a problem. If I'm the league, I need to figure this out, and I need to mandate these guys come. At least when the workouts. If you don't want to do the media interview, okay, whatever. I, I, I don't care. But I need you when the workouts are going on in the facility. Everyone else is there. So this notion that these guys like know something that Andy Reid and Bill Belichick doesn't, I find kind of laughable. And I understand if you go, well, we don't have a first or second round pick. Well, okay, that's fine. You got a bunch of other picks. And part of it, it's not even about the draft. It's about the television show. It's about the revenue generation. It's the reason that Kyle Shanahan makes $13 million because of television. And it's only going to grow if they don't get a hold of this. It's becoming a problem. And this is a major revenue generator for the league. And it's important time for the league because nothing's going on and they get a major event. So these guys were just the first movers. I think a lot of people will inevitably follow if the league doesn't kind of draw a line in the sand. And I would expect in the next year or two, 
something to happen. Because I can't have my head coaches not attending this event. Let's talk about the combine for a second. Because there are positives and negatives with it. From a positive standpoint, like in the NBA, for example, I don't have to give my clients medical information to certain teams. I get to pick and choose where that information goes. In the NFL, the top players all attend the combine and they all receive a long physical from every team in the league. So every team in the NFL gets the medical information for these players, which I don't know in a physical sport where a lot of guys get hurt is very, very important. I don't know what industry you're in, but if your company was going to acquire another company, what's one of the first things you do? You get their books. You get an inside look. Now, just because you see the books of another company, you might be wrong on determining they won't be successful or they will. Just like a lot of doctors, when they get the medical information, say, I would not draft this guy. I think he has an issue with a shoulder, an issue with an elbow, an issue with the knee. And they're proven time and time again to be wrong. And sometimes they're proven to be right. It's all somewhat subjective. They are making educated, uh, I, I wouldn't even, it, it's stronger than a guess, but observations based on the information that ha- that, that that they get. And the, the medical is by far the most important. And second would be, while short, the interviews. Because first impressions and meeting someone in person matters. I know we live in a Zoom world, but there is nothing like looking someone in the eye, shaking their hand, and having a conversation with them. So all the top players that attend the combine interview with the teams. And this is goes back to the coach. Like If I'm a head coach, even if the guy's a fourth rounder, I would like to introduce myself and meet the guy. And that that is what happens during this period of time. You get 15, 20-minute interviews with these guys. Now, ultimately, can I determine good or bad, is the guy a great guy or not, I already have a lot of the information. I've had multiple scouts for all these top prospects go into their schools, accumulate information, not just on the player, but the person. Because ultimately, we are going to you know, argue all day long how good a player is, but we're acquiring the human being. We are acquiring the person. And that is a huge part of this combine, getting the medical, and two, just getting a short feel for the human being. Because eventually when I draft that guy, I'll never forget Jim Washburn used to say is that, you know, it's so easy for scouts to go, you know, this guy's a great player because he is. But then the person is very, very questionable. Well, once we draft the guy in the second round or whatever, you get to go, I can't wait to watch this guy play. But then I got to deal with the person Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to get him ready for Sunday. Like that's my problem. It's why most of the best teams tend to have, look at the Chiefs, look at the Eagles. Seems like they got a lot of high-level guys. This is a league full of the most talented people at their profession, but also a league full of very, very high-level, high-character human beings. And most of the best teams are inundated and led by those type people. Now, when it comes to the workouts, how important is that? Like Bill Belichick has always said, we don't pay guys on Sunday to lift and jump, right? We play them to play football. But like, listen, I'm looking to buy a home right now. And usually if you go to the, if you go on a given street and there's a home that's 1900 square feet and another home that's 2300 square feet, the 2300 square foot home is going to sell for more money, right? Price per square footage is just a natural 
like one home is going to be priced higher. That does not necessarily mean that one home is better than the other, right? You can run a 4-7, and that does not determine whether you're going to have a really good career as a wide receiver, i.e. Keenan Allen is going to have a 10, 12-year career as a very, very high-level player. But it does somewhat determine where you're going to get drafted. This is a marketplace. So if I'm a corner and I run a 4-5-8, and there's another corner that runs a 4-4-2, more than likely that guy with a 4-4-2 is going to go higher. Now, in five years, that guy with a 4-4-2 may have no instincts and not be able to play. But this combine and a lot of these drills and these measurables, like just because you have shorter arms than another center, doesn't mean that that center is going to have a longer career. But it does historical comps of certain guys with certain measurables do not typically succeed in the league. So it helps us to get a base case of, well, instead of having to draft this guy in the second, I might be able to get him in the fourth. The draft, and I say this every single year, is a marketplace. It's not taking guys. It's like, where can I acquire this player? as much as I think this guy is going to be a Hall of Famer, right? Like maybe the 49ers thought Brock Purdy's a 10-year starter, but if they would have taken him in the fourth round, it would have been moronic. Why? They got him with the last pick in the draft. It's going back to Mac Jones when the 49ers is like, Kyle Shanahan wants to draft Mac Jones number three overall. I thought that would have been the dumbest move of all time. And it was proven, hell, they could have just stayed at 12 to get him. So a huge part of the draft, and this is what this combine is, is the measurables on the field, the running, the jumping, the the arm length, the body stuff, the height, the weight, is comparables to previous drafts. And then kind of slotting you and getting an idea where I'm going to have to take this guy probably in the top 40 where maybe I thought I could get him pick 80 or vice versa. I thought I was going to have to take this guy in the second round, but holy shit, he ran slow. I might be able to get him in the fourth. And that's a huge part of really this next week is kind of start stacking guys based on some of their measurables separate from their on-the-field ability. You have to determine who you want on your team, but then you have to use the measurables and the tangible stuff that happens over the next week to kind of figure out where you can get a guy. That's what the best GMs do. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Listen, you can bet on the game any way you want. Straight up, aka Moneyline, point spreads, team totals. You can also do player props, whether it's points, rebounds, assists, covers it all. And so many more exclusive bets, like two times three. Two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. How fun is that? FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com, promo code Colin. That's FanDuel.com, promo code Colin, to learn more. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Let's go to Russell Wilson. And a story came out on The Athletic that was, ooh, it was explosive. Now, one thing, if you remember a couple years ago, Russell Wilson, when he was the man of the year, that was before... uh his the information on his charity came out that you know less than 50% of every dollar that goes into his charity goes to charity and i saw jj watt i think 97 cents on every dollar that comes into his charity goes to charity listen i, I don't run a charity given some over my over the years but don't run one so i was hesitant to jump on russell's uh back about but just you start looking at some of the other charities cents per dollar go to charity is like his ratio was a little low you know who knows I, i'm not going to call it a sham but some some shady, uh, it feels like some shady things are going on there. But then this story comes out that Russell Wilson wanted Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired. And if you remember a couple years ago when Pete, when uh, he won the man of the year and was sitting next to Roger Goodell, stories were coming out. He wanted to be like Tom Brady. He wanted to be treated not just like a star, but if people listen to him. And let him dictate personnel moves, kind of what Aaron Rodgers was bitching and moaning about. Basically, he wanted to be treated like an NBA star, where when he says jump, management says how high. One thing Russell Wilson just learned is the NFL is not the NBA. It's a management coach-led operation, which happens to be the most pro fans, right? Because the players don't get to do whatever they want, whenever they want, because I got news for you. Turns out not all players know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to personnel. Why? Because they don't really watch and it's not really their profession. Their profession is playing. Who was the guy that wanted Russell Westbrook on the Lakers? Oh, his name's LeBron James. How'd that one work out? Not great. So Russell Wilson thought he'd go to owner who, remember, it was the daughter because Paul Allen had passed away and thought he'd get John and Pete fired. And what he found out was a couple weeks later, he was traded. 
which based on one year could go down. Just based on the one year is one of the great trades in the history of the NFL for Seattle and looks like potentially one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL for the Denver Broncos. But one thing I think Russell Wilson needed, and it was always like no one could ever quantify what his issue was, right? He's not like some raging asshole. He's not lazy. He's not like doesn't care about football. It's just like this guy's really weird, and he's sneaky, kind of uses the weirdness, even though maybe it's just an enormous ego. It's all about him. Sneaky kind of got some narcissistic qualities. He's just a little out there. And but when you kind of put your you know your thumb down and you go, I want these guys gone, like that's a pretty bold play. And it clearly didn't work. Now, one thing when you read the article is it goes into depth about, you know, Jake Heaps, former BYU quarterback, who's like a practice squad guy, who is now Russell's personal quarterback. He wanted him around a lot, the office. I think this one's pretty simple. In most high-level businesses, when you produce as a high level, you get some leeway, right? (laughs) Colin Coward and Dan Patrick can do some things that I cannot. Just like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady get a little leash that Mac Jones and Justin Fields are just not going to get. Welcome to capitalism. When you produce for whoever your boss is, whoever your partner is, they're going to let some shit slide. So I've said this over and over, like having the office Wouldn't be that weird if they would have won 12 games and he threw 38 touchdowns. But when he was worse than Geno Smith and the team sucked, having the office was a big deal. Ultimately, the the quarterback is going to spend more time watching film, more than likely, than any other player on the team. And probably an equal amount is some coaches on the staff. So having a quote-unquote designated place whether you want to call it an office or a film room for the quarterback to go, isn't that weird? And depending on the setup of the organization, like a lot of coaches use their meeting room to watch film. So where's the quarterback going to go, right? What if the quarterback coach is using the quarterback meeting room to watch film and Russell didn't have a spot? I don't think it's that weird. And I've said before, when Peyton Manning got there, he got special, special treatment back in the day with the Denver Broncos. Same with the Colts, because he was a film junkie, part of life. But when you don't do well, and then everyone thinks you're a dr- like a raging weirdo, and that's the problem. So these articles come can come out, and Russell immediately, one of the things that jumped out to me in this article is that this offseason, because it started getting so ugly, that he hired a new PR person. It's like, Russell, do you not get it, man? Can you not just be a normal human? Now, going back to him wanting John and Pete fired, the guy that he wanted was Sean Payton. And I was thinking about one comparison that's going to happen over the next six months is Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Sean Payton and Drew Brees. One of the things Drew Brees, what he's a much better pocket quarterback in his prime than than Russell Wilson. Obviously, Russell, in theory, brings a stronger arm, mobility, things that Drew doesn't bring to the table. But I would say of talking to people that have played with Drew, of just following his career, reading articles about him, just the entire Drew Brees experience. I'd say the number one thing the guy hung his hat on is being a beloved human being inside the walls by coaches, by teammates, by literally everybody that he went to work with. Everyone to a man just swore by the guy. A lot like Tom Brady. They just loved the human being. What he represented from a work ethic standpoint, as a guy, the way he treated people. That 
I, I think the best teammates, when someone calls you a great teammate, do you know what ultimately that means? Is especially when it comes to a quarterback, no matter how famous, no matter how rich, he can just kind of act like a normal human when he's sitting there at the locker with me. And that to me is the biggest question Mark Russell Wilson has moving forward is, can the guy act like a normal person? Because I think once you get to a certain spot of fame and wealth, like if that's who you are, it's kind of who you are, right? Like Tom Brady ultimately can sit down with some of his boys and just kind of slam some beers, right? Drew Brees could clearly just kind of hang out with the guys. Like that is kind of a knock on Russell Wilson that he doesn't have that in the back. So ultimately, like the office and the film room, like whatever. If he was winning, I I want my quarterback watching a lot of film. If Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow come to me and go, hey, man, I I need some place to watch film. You don't think those organizations are going to put a room together so the guy has a place to be able to watch film and take notes? Of course they are. Whether you want to call that an office, whether you want to call that a bunker, you can label it whatever you want. But Russell's downfall was, one, his ego started outsizing his production. Wanted guys fired. You're not in control, Russell. See ya. Adios. Give us two ones. Give us a bunch of players. Give us a bunch of picks. You pay that money. Now your contract is a major, major, major albatross if you don't become, I would say, immediately a top 10 quarterback. I can't be paying you these wages and you be the 14th best quarterback. You got to be like the sixth to make it worth it. And this notion of Peyton and Breeze, like a, a huge reason for quote unquote Peyton and Breeze was Drew Breeze the guy. And I don't know if Russell Wilson has that in the back. So he can deny this stuff all he wants. Like, bullshit, man. We all know what you were doing. And you lost. Sometimes when you make a power play, whether it's a small power play, like, you know, you're an $80,000 employee and the guy you're working for makes one thirty, and you go to the boss and you want him gone and it works, it's a small power play. And some power plays are with guys making $10, $15 million and a quarterback making 40 and he wants to get rid of a guy. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when it doesn't work, you know, you come at the king, you better not miss because when you miss, it backfires. And now let's face it, like there, there's nothing this PR lady, I, I love PR. This isn't the fucking 1990s. We live in a day and age where there are a lot of just normal people doing content. Like we see the difference between authentic content and authentic people. Like we've never had more examples out there to know what's real and what's not real. So I, I, I think. He either can change or he can't, and I would bet against it. Hey, last but not least, Dan Snyder. I don't think Dan Snyder ever wanted to sell the team, right? A lot of these recent sales, when you think about it, like uh, the Denver Broncos, what feels inevitably with the Seattle Seahawks, a lot of it is because that the kids of the team, or in that case, the daughters in Denver and the daughters in Seattle, don't like the team as much as their dad, right? Because their dad loved football. It was a passion to them that ultimately became this multi-billion dollar business. So the Denver Broncos, clearly they're fighting over money and Seattle doesn't feel as contentious, but it makes sense why those are going to get sold, right? Because like, say what you want about a lot of kids that run the teams right now around the league. Let's go Jed York or Clark Hunt or Mark Davis, like those guys really like football. They like football. Now, are they as good as their dad or their uncle? We can debate that all we want, but those guys have a passion for the sport because ultimately it would make no sense if you liked football to ever sell an NFL team. Like I know this speaking like taxes, it were a couple less than two months away for tax season. If I made what I made and I was a W-2 employee, 
I would make a lot less money than what I make as being partners in these businesses in 1099 and not being a W-2 employee. I end up making more money. Now, nothing's guaranteed. I could make zero or I could make millions. Who knows? It's all dependent on how much revenue we can generate, how many deals we can do. But there's a risk involved. And also, when things go well, I benefit from taking those risks, right? When I was a W 2 employee making 80 grand, 100 grand, whatever, I was guaranteed to make that much money. But I knew kind of exactly what, you know, my taxes I was going to get when I lived in California, 40% of it, say, see ya, right? So you would never sell a business that was that big one, two, that was making that much money. And it's basically a tax haven for all your cash. Because listen, I'm not trying to act like I feel bad for any of these people that sell a six, seven billion dollar asset. But the moment you sell the Washington Commanders for six billion dollars, you don't take six billion dollars home. I saw on the internet, Big Cat a couple of days ago was arguing on the internet with one of the dudes at Barstool about like, are you a millionaire if you make a million dollars? Of course you're not, unless you have a million dollars in the bank. If you just have zero dollars in the bank and you have a million dollar salary, you are not a millionaire. Depending on what state you live in, you're you're a six hundred thousand there, or potentially if you're California, probably under five hundred thousand. You know, just it all depends. So when I sell these teams, I pay an enormous amount in taxes. Where you go, well, it's still three billion dollars in your pocket. Fine, but it wouldn't be easy for me if I owned one of these teams to just give three billion dollars to the government. You know, I, I'd want to keep that money. And two, ultimately, I would never want to get rid of the team because I love football. I would love running the team. It's an incredible business. It generates the amount of revenue just keeps going up and up and up. The value of the team keeps going up and up, especially a franchise like the Commanders, who for the last 20 years have mostly sucked, yet their value is arguably $7, $8 billion. And this notion that Daniel Snyder is just selling just like the Denver Broncos did or Seattle did is not the same. Like, I don't think by any means this guy wants to get rid of his team. And I think, you know, I was, I saw Albert Breer was tweeting about this. Like some people think that, you know, he's kind of doing this to try to play nice and putting it on the market, but ultimately doesn't want to get rid of it. Of course he doesn't want to get rid of it. Now I think that, are they going to be able, do they have enough evidence on him? Can they force his way out? Because a story was that he, he's going to refuse to sell to Jeff Bezos, which of course he is. Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, and they've been crushing Daniel Snyder for a decade, right? No different than when the Sun sold to this dude from Detroit uh, that was involved in mortgages. He refused, uh, well, I forget his name, uh, the old Sun's owner. Robert Sarver was never going to send to Bob Iger because Bob Iger ran Disney, who owned ESPN, and ESPN was shitting on Sarver for years. So he's like, I, you could offer me double. I'm not giving you the team. So this notion that it's even a story that he's not going to give Jeff Bezos the team, of course he's not. Now, will he be willing to give someone else the team if they hit whatever his you know, number that he has chosen in his mind that he has to get, whether that's $6 billion, $6.5 billion, $7 billion? Time's going to tell. I would not feel great about it because time and time again, Daniel Snyder does weird shit. And the one thing he consistently does is whatever you say, he typically does the opposite. Whatever the consensus is, he's on the other side. So I, I think this thing could potentially get a lot uglier before it gets decided. And um, if you told me that you know he pulls it off the market or he delays this thing year in, year out, I, I am fully prepared. So. Uh, 
I, I, I just do not expect to have some, you know, easy transition from ownership here. You know, I, I, I do not see that one come. But this is a story definitely keep, worth monitoring, and I'm sure some more uh, some more buzz will come out of the combine. Appreciate everyone listening. Adios. <laughs>